Every town has a witch's house. Of that, you can be sure. It need not ever have actually hosted a witch to qualify as a witch's house. Witch hunts are hideous tragedies, miscarriages of justice that left countless innocents dead and left a stain on history that can never be wholly cleaned. Real witches are not old women who knew the secrets of herbs and roots, who carry wisdom of the ages within them and drew hate from men who craved that knowledge they had not earned. Real witches are not young women who are rendered silver as they walk bare beneath the moon's glowing, who relish the feel of dew against their naked back and the feel of bark against their naked thighs, who offer up new ecstasies to the old gods. Witches are not real. Except for the ones that come to us, whole, out of the dreaming lands. Except for the crones, snug in their candy houses, secure in their lairs perched on chickens' feet. These witches, who are as one with the fates of old, they never were, but have always been. We make them up, and are shaped by them, always. And so it is that every town has a witch's house. You are picturing yours in your head right now. It is the house that sits right along the row with many others alike in size and in model. But the witch's house is different. The grass is wild and unkempt. The windows are glazed over and grim like the eyes of a lost soul, too downcast to ever meet your gaze. The roof sags, and the paint chips. The wild yard has sunk its claws into the for sale sign, taken it into itself. There were stories about the witch's house, oh yes. You had a friend who had a cousin who knew a kid whose older brother heard about how the police excavated a dozen skeletal remains from the earthen floor of the basement. Or, perhaps, you and all the kids in your grade knew about the one kid who was dared to knock on the front door and was invited inside by an unseen host, never to be heard from again. The witch's house is fountain from which all legends flow. The witch's house is tributary into which all legends feed. The one thing you were certain of was that of course the house had been abandoned for years. Until you saw a hand twitch near the curtains. Until you looked at your photo's back and saw the silhouette framed in the dusty, grim windows. Until your story brought you to that doorstep and you realized too late that you had stepped into legend and there was no escape. It didn't always happen on Halloween, but it did often enough to make the pattern clear, to make the rule certain. Stay away from the witch's house on Halloween night.
But here it was, Halloween, and three children stood outside the witch's house and braced themselves to cross the wild lawn and knock on the crooked door. They were three in number and twelve in age. Just about too old for trick-or-treating, certainly too old for spooky stories about witches' houses and demonic goings-on inside. They were too old for Halloween, really, was the point. Yet they were close enough, these three, to those ages when the irrational seems all the more plausible than the rational. The old laws, though pressed against them, compelled them to safety and sense. This was the part of them that felt the tingling heat whenever the priest started carrying on about hell during Sunday services. Funnily enough, it was the one dressed as a devil who was most resistant to going across that yard and to that crooked door. As an even younger child, he'd once chased a ball into that yard as he stared up at it in respectful awe, the crooked door swung open of its own accord. An inhalation of breeze drew in leaves and bowed the grass. He'd heard his name spoken on the wind. He ran that day and wanted to run now. But Ghostface and the hobo had dared each other, and since he'd been with the two all night, it was unspoken fact that the dare included him as well. There was, he felt, a terrible sort of momentum to this night, this Halloween night. There's no question that one of them, at least, was going up to that door. And once that happened, the irrational certainty told him that something awful was going to happen. Knowing that, there was still no way to stop it. Looking back over the night, he could not even be sure of when that momentum had taken hold. Where had he made the mistake? Was it too late to take it back? Yes, because now Ghostface stepped over the boundary, black cloak floating atop the wild greens. He called the other two foul names and made questionable claims about their mothers. The hobo adjusted the bindle on his shoulder filled with socks, and he then stepped over the line. Even just a year prior, the fear and certain irrationality would have protected the boy in the devil costume from the pressure to follow. Some rules were too sacred. Some rules you did not break. But adults assumed the rules did not apply to them they believe themselves to be the main character in every story, and so of course they will escape harm. Adults can rationalize anything and everything. They laugh at superstitions, knowing themselves above such things. The adult in him knew that all that talk about witches and hauntings, it was all nonsense. Of course he'd be safe and so he stepped over that last boundary. Once he did, he saw the house for the ridiculous relic that it was. He laughed at those infantile idiots who could still be held in sway by such ludicrous tales. 
he and his friends called each other even more foul names, shoving and laughing and wagging their immortality in front of the witch's house's slack-jawed, idiot face. The trio practically danced up the creaking wooden steps to the crooked door. Ghostface moonwalked the last distance, flapping his cloak about. The hobo stomped the broom that formed his bindle, and the devil clapped his hands. With a last flourish, Ghostface wrapped his knuckles on the crooked door. All three boys crowed with triumph and fell silent as the crooked door groaned and swung open. Of course they went in. The momentum had them. Choice went out of it. This had all been decided. Whatever was going to happen was already happening, had already happened, was always going to have happened. The most surprising thing about the interior of the witch house was how cozy and clean it was. The floors were well swept. No gothic cobwebs crossed the space to snare unaware heads. Pine-soaked scents wafted from one room to the next. Despite themselves, the boys began to relax. Already their minds danced with the bragging rights afforded from having spent all Hallow's Eve in so notorious a home, and to be able to say, with full honesty, that the ordeal had been an easy one. Though, maybe they'd add a ghoul or two, you know, just to keep the story fun. People expected a phantom. The boy in the devil costume's first inkling that all was not exactly well came after he decided to make a real show of bravado by striking independent out from his friends. Without even addressing them, he flung open the closest door and stepped blindly through it. On the other side was a kitchen as clean and as vacant as the rest of the house. Except, it wasn't exactly vacant. In the kitchen waited a table flanked by three chairs. Two of the chairs had been flung to the ground and broken into splinters. On the table, all alone, was a silver bowl, shimmering and filled right to the top with red berries. Freshly plucked, damp still with dew. Even as the devil backed away, the door blew open bringing with it Ghostface and the hobo. After he explained about the bowl, the hobo made a point of selecting one of the red berries and popping it into his mouth, painted whiskers jostling as he mashed it into paste and swallowed. Ghostface took an entire handful and crammed the whole lot in, blowing his cheeks out like a chipmunk before sliding the mask back into place. At this, the devil decided that he had had enough. Their jeers followed him as he retreated out the kitchen and made for that first door. If he ditched these jerks and forgot their mocking laughter, 
he could probably get in some more trick-or-treating before he was due back home. Let them enjoy this ugly place and face whatever wrath was triggered to send upon any trespassers. Let them. He was done. He was out. Except the doorknob would not turn. He twisted it and shook it, but the doorknob remained as and where it was. The door did not know or care how he thrashed against it. His efforts summoned his friends, who now extended their mockery to include him being so weak they could not even open a damn door. The hobo grabbed the knob and turned it. Or meant to. It would not turn for him either. Ghostface flourished his robes again and tried his luck. Same result. All three of them grabbed and fumbled the door now, and the door met them all as equals. No matter how they struggled, it would not open. Okay, don't panic, the devil heard one of the others say. There's, there's got to be another way out. From above, there came the voice, honey sweet, saying, No, no there is not. Slowly, unwillingly, all three heads turned. The witch came down the stairs. There was no sense denying what the irrational certainty knew at once. She was neither old nor young. She seemed made out of the same forest of which she smelled, her every motion strengthening the pine scent and conjuring the whispering voice of the wind in green boughs at the dead of night. Who? Who are you? The hobo declared, gripping his bindle like it was a bat. The wrap of socks flapped useless at the stick's end. An odd question to ask a woman in her own home, said the witch. But you may call me Maria. As good a name as any? It was my name before. Before what? Ghostface asked. Before it all went wrong, she replied. Before the gods warred and fell, before all fates were abandoned and left us, all of us, on our own. Sadness crept over her ancient, young, young ancient features. Through the dim of the room, the devil could just make out that she held a book. White cover, reading, Number Nine Dream. Whatever number this dream was, he didn't really care. It was time to wake up. He'd relish any reprimands his parents would give him for staying out too late. He'd savor every chore and do his homework without complaint. Just let the bad dream end. Just let the door fall open. 
Please just let us out, he cried, not caring how loud and scared he sounded. The witch only smiled that honey-sweet smile. There is no out, she said. Not anymore. She waved a hand and the door opened. All three boys tumbled outside only to discover that their familiar street lined with jack-o'-lanterns and sheet ghosts dangling from low branches and fog machines stirring odd-odored clouds. All of it was gone. They faced now a forest, empty and deep and forever. It, it made no sense. It was madness, absolute. Nevertheless, there was the forest. The lowest hanging of branches were all just out of reach, as if an intelligent hand had shaped this forest and designed it out of spite. The boys lay trembling hands on trunks, testing their solidity. There was no give. There were no breaks. There was only the forest. Behind them, the witch house shuffled on its chicken feet. The witch herself framed in the doorway. You know, I was never meant to be the witch, she said. There were all kinds of other plans. Every god thought they had it all figured out. Even old King Croc thought himself the only true master of the Black Sun and its people. She shook a rueful head. But none of them counted on death. Death gets the last word, even for witches and even for gods. So fell the gods, so opened the black suns, and so ended everything to do with fate. The witch stepped clear of the house, out into the forest, bare feet comfortable among the bracken. Instinctively, the three boys stepped back. The devil ran back through the night again. When had the momentum took hold? Where had they stepped off, all unwitting, into these dreaming lands? And now I hear the last survivors think to kill death, the witch laughed. There can be no finer goal before receiving oblivion. And who knows? Maybe they didn't succeed. What's that old line about strange eons? Regardless, I can't get involved in that kind of conflict. My predecessors did, and look where it got them. No, the witch has other duties. For starters, her eyes fell towards the boys. This forest has recently been emptied. That will not do. So, which of you ate those berries? The devil felt the boy on either side of him shrink back, curl inward. Ghostface moaned beneath his scream. There's no sense trying to hide it, sillies, the witch chuckled. I can see them pulling down roots in your round bellies. They're just right there. Her fingers twitched. Each boy collapsed. Looking down at them, the devil thought, why is the painted beard getting thicker? Why is the ghost face cloak getting darker? 
With twin roars, they ripped free of their human skin and human trappings. Damp fur bristled, rows of white fangs shone, black claws flexed. The beasts bathed their new lives to the echoing depths of the forever forest. The witch nodded. I'll find more playmates for you soon, she called to the beasts. For now, enjoy your first meal. The boy in the devil costume was too shocked by his friend's transformations to heed what had been said. At first. Then he got it. Then he screamed. He meant to dash back toward the house, but his other leg wanted to flee into the woods. His feet tangled and he fell, face first, into the pine and into the bracken. As his former friends fell upon him, drooling, the boy gave a pitiful wail. No! Please! He called. The witch, in her doorway, shook her head. She said, Some rules are sacred. Some rules you do not break. Stay away from a witch's house on Halloween. Otherwise, well. Welcome to legend. She closed the door. His screams climbed higher and higher and then stopped. Once upon a time, there was a woman named Maria. She made love to beautiful girls in the indoor forest her mother had made. She dreamt of doing many different things, going many different places. Who is to say where and when that horrible momentum took hold of her? Who knows how all differing paths came to fade, leaving only the one, only what became inevitable. It does not really matter how she got there. She is. She is the witch. She has always been the witch and will always be the witch until that is true no longer. She will fill up her forest. She will keep those that dwell there well fed. The politics and problems of that black sun world no longer bother her. At last, she is home. In the witch house. In every witch house. Beware. Hello, everybody. This is Brennan, uh, the writer, producer, and performer of Blacks and Mispatches, and I want to thank you all for listening and wish you all a very happy Halloween. Please visit cinepunks.com and read all our amazing Cineween coverage, uh, ranging from movies to real-life ghosts and uh, stories like that, 
and basically every kind of Halloween coverage you could ever imagine, we got at, at cinepunks.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the true Brennan F. You can follow this show on Twitter at Black Sun Show. Uh, our logo was designed by Jennifer Rogers, and music is Winter by E.L. Heath. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next month with the next story as we continue through this final season. I hope you guys have been enjoying it, and I hope you enjoy this one, and I hope you have a very happy and safe Halloween night. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one, and a good night. Or a good day. I don't know when you're listening to this, but whichever one it is, have a good one. Bye.